Hello, welcome to another Social Dad podcast. Today we're talking about keeping you and your family and especially kids safe online. I'm here with Katan. Hello. Hi. Uh, actually, my name is pronounced Kathan, like Nathan with a K. Oh, Kathan. Apologies. Yeah. No worries. It's um, cool spelling. name. Where's that from? Spelling and pronunciation look completely different. Um, uh, it's an Indian name. It's just a regular uh-huh. Indian name, but uh, it doesn't always translate <laughs> the same way. Kathan. Very cool. Um, okay, so uh, what do you want to tell us today? Um, Where should we start? Uh, we can start wherever. I mean, I can I can follow your lead. We can um, okay. Might be so so um, my daughter watches a lot of YouTube Kids, yeah. um, and sometimes I'm worried about the the types of content. I mean, some of it's just rip offs of other stuff. Some of it's families um, sort of documenting their day, um, yeah. and sometimes it. it the sort of line between quality and, and not quality content gets a bit blurred. And then she's starting to watch like Russian cartoons that are sort of ripoffs of other stuff or stuff. That I've no idea what's going on or just sort of downright weird shows. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It, and I, I sort of, I worry about letting her just be on the iPad because I don't want to be watching the whole thing all the time. Um, yeah. Have you got any sort of guidance of of how I can maintain a sort of balance? Absolutely. I actually had a very similar thing with my brother, my niece and nephew. This was several years ago now, but um, they were, I don't remember what it was called that they were watching on on the iPad. And uh, I've worked in advertising for a really long time. So I'm quite familiar with how Mm. these, you know, platforms are being used, especially it's, it's, there's a exchange of something happening in, in any interaction, right? So yeah. um, whether it's an influencer, somebody's trying to sell something at all times. And part of the conversation that I was having with them uh, was really around knowing what it is before getting, even watching it in the first place. So with that mindset of, everything's an advertisement. (laughs) It's almost like a, if you're seeing something on the internet, you you could almost guarantee that there's trying to sell you something in some capacity. And you can obviously enjoy it from an entertainment perspective, but anything beyond that almost have a suspicion of, I mean, there's, it's a blanket statement. And I know that not all things are created in a way that's meant to be exploitative, but, but generally speaking, yeah, there's a there's a there's an underlying transaction that's happening, and including your viewership, and and including the kids' viewership. Um, yeah, transaction that somebody's profiting off of, and and some of these channels have got millions and millions of followers, and you know too. someone's making a lot of profit, and it's never the kids; it's always the, the exactly. parents, or or I mean, not me, but um, you know, some advertiser, and it's it's shocking. Yeah. Um, the amount of money that goes around in these things. Um, yeah. So what about the the sort of quality of content or, or keeping an eye on? Because um, some of the creators, they're just like, I, I've caught her using or watching um, a video where it had, uh, you know, on the TikTok videos where it has, like you write in the words and then the sort of robot AI reads it. Yeah. Um, she was watching that. And so, you know, someone... Um, not necessarily 
uh, kid focused um, was creating the content and, and it, it started to worry me because there's no control. There's at least when you have sort of parents making their videos um, or kids, they have a sort of general um, understanding and, and a mutual respect and, and, you yeah. know, they're mindful of, of who's watching it. But when it's someone who's just using it to get views and then get money, that yeah. worries me. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, that's, it's, has been incentivized as well. Like the, even for creators, the quality almost doesn't matter. It's really volume at a certain point that people are, are exactly. getting materials out. And um, I mean, beyond just like from a safety perspective, it's just even from a societal perspective, like I'm sure that you've noticed all the spelling mistakes on Twitter mm-hmm. or YouTube or whatever, just the, just the attention to detail has just diminished kind of across the board because um, it's about speed and volume and, and all of those things. And I, that's what I actually, as a creator, but not a content creator, uh, I get most bogged down with, of course. But um, when you think about when with we, these views and the quality of content, like understanding what community it's actually a part of, I think it has to have a, some sort of value to what they may be speaking to. So if it is, I mean, gaming is obviously hugely popular. Uh, there's lots of streamers when it comes to gaming. Um, if it's relevant, I think it's it's it can be useful. If it's irrelevant, that's when you kind of have to be uh, mindful of it. If it's a personality or a, or a celebrity that people are generally follow, then it's almost like a personal judgment of whether that celebrity or personality is is worth the view or not. Um, and yeah. really getting in a dialogue of what makes it valuable and, mm. and if you can have that dialogue with your, your 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 kid um it at least helps not only you understand like what what the actual value is but also the helps the child articulate what it is that they themselves find valuable with it and and sometimes you actually discover that they stumble upon the answer themselves <laughs> in the sense that yeah, really this, yeah, there's definitely. nothing of value here. It's really just noise that, that I'm watching. And, and I think you're making a conscious decision then. I think having a dialogue um, with your kids who are absorbing and, and watching and engaging with this kind of content is really, really important. And that goes beyond just watching it. And then it becomes when they start to create their own content or they're engaging uh, on a chat or or in a group call or whatever like my um daughter her friends at school play roblox um and i'd i'd heard of it like minecraft but i'd never played it um and then i thought okay well we'll download it we'll put it on the switch and then we'll play it together and see what it's like um Mm -hmm. it was the xbox and uh, we played it and she immediately hated it. So this is rubbish. So the graphics are terrible, um, which I was relieved with because then I don't have to play it because I thought it was crap as well. But um, like I've heard a lot of people and I, and I did some research beforehand and I was worried that uh, with the um, often unmoderated group chats and voice um, like you can, you can, um, you know, put a microphone to your controller and then you can call it and you can talk to, uh, I'm sounding very old now, but 
you know you can you can talk to people and you can hear um, other voices and other people talking and you don't know who those people are um so if i was to let my kid play those kinds of games i mean i played you know call of duty and and all that kind of stuff when i was younger uh and you know i sort of for the most part i think i ignored all the the silliness and rude people um but it's it's very easy to be impressionable so if someone comes to you with an idea that isn't necessarily healthy yeah. um then sometimes you can start to believe it and you start to think that that person is a friend when they aren't um mm-hmm. and then they can steer you in a in a sort of negative way um how how should we navigate that um i mean it can be navigated several ways obviously the discussion and it's almost the there's the activity, which is you know the playing of the game and then the interactions that happen with it, and then there's kind of the reflection on the activity that's kind of after the fact or in between times, um, where you almost determine what the point of it all was. And I mean, especially in these kind of groups, I mean, grooming is obviously where a lot of trouble begins in yeah. terms of you know predatory behavior, but even if it's not to that degree and it's just more like a bad influence. I mean, it could be as simple as just, you don't want your kid to be exposed to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I, I mean, I don't have, my daughter is 18 months old. So, you know, fortunately she's not there yet. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my strategy with, uh, with my brother's children are definitely to, pay attention it's about kind of being purposeful in the activity itself um and kind of being mindful as to why you're there in the first place and if like i was saying before if if it's an intentional activity if like i'm playing this game there's going to be you know personalities that you have no control over saying things that you have no control over um if you are aware of that's the environment that you're walking into there's a easier filtration process that kind of can happen uh, in one's own mind, even for a kid um, that they can, it's, it's helpful to be able to separate why they're doing the activity uh, to the noise that surrounds the activity. Uh, But without that kind of reinforcement of that conversation, it's, it's hard to make sure that it's being heard or it's being understood um, is kind of the, uh, the important part is that your child is actually understanding what's Mm -hmm. happening as opposed to just reacting to it. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know. It, I, I don't know that we'll ever have full control over it. Um, and I think, I think it's, yeah, you're, it does have to be an educational thing where teaching your kid as part of growing up, you know, you have the, the sort of sex talk and you have this, you know, we've, we've, ever since she was young, we drummed in the the idea of consent where like if someone's tickling you and you don't want it, you say, no, stop, it's my body. And they have to, um, as she's trying to tickle us and we say, no, thank you. That's, you know, that's not how I like to be touched. And then they stop. Um, so I think it's part of growing up. Um, now where when we were growing up um we didn't have to worry about social media and um every sort of good idea that you have 
where you think it's a funny idea at the time to put online now lives forever where we didn't have to think about that yeah um like if we want to take take a you know rude picture in the bathroom it would have to go to after the developer and you'd have to (laughs) you know wait a week and then get it back and and so that didn't happen but um Although I used to work at um, a Kodak lab and you'd be surprised what people take pictures of. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, and we saw them all. Um, but now it's all on social media. And so, you know, you can get sort of cancelled or you can have your reputation ruined or you can have chances of a college taken away if you say yes. something stupid or hurtful. Um, and then also there's, like what we were talking about with Roblox, is where people have negative ideas or antisocial ideas or or unhealthy um, ideas or plans where they want to start recruiting or grooming or or whatever Um, and whereas we didn't have to worry about that now it's very much part of everyone's life Um, and so I think it, it is an educational thing and as far as I understand it's not part of the syllabus where um they're talking about that in schools so it has to be a parental thing it you're right i think i mean yes as of right now i think parents do need to over index especially in this space um because for you know a good chunk of the day they're not immediately supervising their child and you kind of have to trust them at a certain point um the 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 points that you were making around uh you know the permanence of what goes online and and you know the consequences around certain decisions um, ultimately would come from like a very personal, you know, ethic of Mm -hmm. what's appropriate, what's inappropriate, uh, what's reasonable, what's unreasonable. Um, Having those boundaries kind of defined and it's it's impossible to define it for somebody else. I mean, as, as much as, you know, as parents would probably want to, you know, these are the parameters. <laughs> this is as yeah. far as you're allowed to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never going to work that way. But really re- having those discussions, really making sure that the standard is being set and and it's one's own standard. It's like, what do you feel is appropriate? What do you feel is inappropriate? What do you feel is, you know, hurtful? What do you don't? And, um, and reminding them of their own list because those decisions do have an impact. And I, so I teach at a college in Toronto as well. And, and one of the things that, you know, comes up often is, is reputation, right? And I work in the mm-hmm. industry. These students are going to looking, are looking for eventually looking for jobs in the industry. And, yeah. and that reputation does matter at a certain point that if you've done something that might be considered, you know, as would detriment to your reputation people will know they might be willing to overlook it but it, yeah. it's gonna, you can't run away from it and and people think, even nowadays so, people like people are getting um people usually in the public eye are having their tweets from 10 years ago dug up and then yeah. if they said one stupid thing that's like i remember kevin hart got um yeah he said like something silly and he didn't mean it. He was, you know, saying something to try and be funny, which mm-hmm. at the time may have suited his audience or the sort of political landscape, who knows. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, it was never okay, but you know. Um, but then ten years later, it it hurt his career a little. He's yeah. doing fine now, but you know, those kinds of things are very sensitive. Um, totally, and they live forever. Like, there's no. And I mean, you can, there are there are um, apps or whatever or plugins that you can use to to delete your tweets after ninety days, which I think is quite clever. Um, <laughs> But having said that, one screenshot, one screenshot, you're, it's, you're done for. Yeah. yeah. Well, also like even in that Kevin Hart, because I I recall clearly that that Kevin Hart tweet, and even if it was funny, I mean, in to the, his particular group of friends, for example, he was exposed yeah. in his kitchen and mm-hmm. saying it out loud. I mean the publicness or the public nature of the comment is where it becomes really weird i mean i'm sure that all of us in 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 points of time have you know weird thoughts or you know unpopular opinions but does everyone need to know it (laughs) at the exact same time and that's that's the thing with social media is that you think oh i think this is funny right now yeah. And then you don't give it any thought like, oh, I wonder what people would think about this or is this going to affect somebody else or am I putting someone else down for the sake of a laugh? Yeah. You don't think about that. Yeah. You think, oh, this is funny tweet or TikTok or whatever. And then it's out there and then someone sees it and says, what in the world do you think you're talking about? Like, that's an awful thing to say. Yeah. And it's what are people going to think 15 years from now? <laughs> what are the yeah. Finger? When you're getting your up for that promotion, or you're, yeah. you're you're gonna run for office, or you're in a movie, or something like that, it's, mm-hmm. um, is it the thing that you want to be known for? And and I think that that's that's a huge part of the conversation that I think that parents and kids really need to focus on is like, what do you want to be known for? Is this what you want to be known for? Um, that's a choice. I mean, ultimately, it's it could be yeah. good or bad, but with you know, some scrutiny over that, the idea of what is it that you want to be remembered for? What is it that you want to be known for? What kind of person do, do you want people to think that you are? Because ultimately it's a, it's a, it's an illusion, right? I, everything that's kind of on social media is kind of an illusion. Um, it's a very uh, curated yeah, view of somebody's life that even if it's curated and that's how you've curated it, <laughs> it seems that. Yeah. And I, been- I think there's sort of, it's sort of breaking into two sort of age groups or uh, sort of generational levels where now we're sort of talking about reputation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I mean, I, I'm sort of completely biased and my daughter is uh, going to be seven in a few months and so she needs to know how to be safe and right now she doesn't really understand that there might be really dodgy people or um deliberately hurtful people online um so i need to keep her safe from from that and then and then when they're sort of in their teenage years i would imagine uh it becomes the beginnings of a conversation around reputation where i think the sort of the blending of the two is again having conversations like a sort of sex talk where you're saying um you know if you're on social media if you have a an unmoderated facebook account or 
Twitter or Instagram, whatever, there might be people who are going to ask you to do certain things mm-hmm. um, that even if you feel comfortable enough to do them, you shouldn't because like if someone that yep. you think is a friend or a potential boyfriend or whatever might ask you to send a nude picture um, while it's completely illegal to do so anyway under 18, 19, 20, whatever your wherever you are in the world um it it might feel you know you're a teenager you know we've all been a teenager we've all had um hormone-based decisions and (laughs) they're not a good idea um and so i think having that conversation ahead of time preempts the sort of um the hormone-based of it and sort of brings reason into it and saying look if you were to take a picture even if you don't send it it could end up online it could end up with other people who don't want it to be seen by um and it's a really bad idea so don't do it at all ever you actually brought up a really great point earlier about just the concept of consent right like it's it's the behavior even if people are asking and you somewhat trust that person or not like really really coming to an understanding of your own and i'm speaking your own it's like how do we get our kids to actually consider their own comfort levels of situations um or of topics or of language even um the it's going to be different for so many different people. I think that, that, you know, obviously, yeah, we just hope that our child's not necessarily exposed to it, doesn't have to deal with it, but probably mm. the reality is they will at some point. Well, whether yeah. like it or not. It's just and, the way the world works now. So. Yeah. And even, you know, strip social media away, even just for a second to what, you know, our, our lo-fi experiences of bullying and, um, mm and the way that people behaved at school and how jokes happen and things spiral out of control. Um, it's, it's still not okay. And I think that that the, the what's okay, what's not okay is, is conceptual that that conversation can be had without getting into the specifics. I think right now uh, technology and like social media is, is in its current form. And I think it's just going to evolve from here into something slightly different, but that benchmark as to what's considered to be reasonable, unreasonable, appropriate, inappropriate. Um, that's kind of agnostic of the technology or even of, mm-hmm. uh, of anything. It's, but it's that dialogue that that conversation is an awkward one to have. Cause it's kind of weird. It's almost, you have to pick your moments or find yeah. the spot where you notice it and bring it up. <laughs> yeah. And also, um, sort of just almost changing the subject to like bullying where where we just had to deal with it um at school why did at least um but then now with uh, people in their phones and social um kids are bringing it home and they're seeing it the whole time so from when they go to sleep um when they wake up all the time is not just whether they're in personal contact with someone they can start spreading rumors they can start texting them they can start dming them and it and it can be relentless and so the impact on their mental health 
is um, exponential and it's it's awful. So how do you think pe- like kids can deal with bullies who are not just at their school, but, but sending the messages to their personal devices? Yeah, that's, it's, it's hard to control. And I think that it's, it's one of those things of having a healthy relationship with the technology itself, or even the platforms um, themselves. Um, the, it can spiral out of control very, very quickly. And I think that that's the, the challenge is preventing it from getting to that point in the first place, rather than reacting to once once because once it happens it's almost it's a it's a it's a train at that point um so it's about how to use the devices and to what degree is the device used for and um if it is a i i was before this podcast started i was i was thinking about like unitaskers like we we were in a lucky situation where a lot of unitasking devices were like the mm-hmm. computer was for writing up your book report and that was it. You didn't do yep. anything else on it. Uh, now we have in everything on our phone. Um, and creating that relationship with the device itself will start as a, again, as a personal thing, people may want to abuse that, the tool, people may want to abuse the, the platform. Um, but if you have a different type of relationship with the device, then it doesn't become an obsession at a certain point. And I think that as, as parents, what we can do is really make sure that that disconnection time actually does happen. Because I think that beyond just the, the bullying and, and trying to, if you're not focused on it, you can kind of compartmentalize it out of the way. You may, you'll have to deal with it eventually anyway, like whether mm. it's at school or not. But do you think parents there's moments where you can break away from it at least? Yeah. Do you think parents should monitor what's on their the kids' phones, or is that like a breach of trust? Yeah. You know what? I don't. I've I've thought about this for myself. I've thought about this for others. Like I, I'm not of the fan of of you know monitoring so mm. much uh, as I am about building trust now the trust part of it is that's the thing that takes the investment of time yeah um i think that understanding you're almost educating the child to to the device rather than the device educating the child and i think that um if that trust is sort of learned over time of how to trust the device how to trust the child with the device then you hope that everything works out, but um, monitoring is a tough one. I, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to it, but I'm not necessarily against it either, just as a from personal perspective. It is a really hard balance. I think, yeah. <clears throat> I think once, you know, until they're sort of, I don't know, 13 or something, I think it's not necessarily a bad thing to, to keep an eye yeah. on the device, to, to check what, like my daughter has um, Facebook Messenger for kids, and okay. it has to go through me to accept anyone. I get a report at the end of the week to see who she's talked to. I mean, I know she only has her like cousins and like one or two friends on there, so they they can have yeah. video chats, they can do little art projects together, um, and and that's fine. Um, and I also have her YouTube 
kids account on my phone as well so i can see um who, what she's watching i can block channels that i don't um think are appropriate um mm -hmm. but yeah but as soon as she starts to text or or call people um i think uh i'd want to be part of that uh, until at least she's at a stage where i can it, it kind of feels like at, at schools or home schools or even like just parents uh guardians whatever um they should you know like how we had home ec or cooking class yeah uh, woodwork graphic design all that kind of stuff there should be one for uh digital life where mm -hmm. um everything is covered from um how to change settings how to make the most of the camera on your phone how to stay safe how to make sure that your password passwords are secure and do yep. two-factor authentication all that kind of stuff that um you know my in-laws need help with constantly how to print something how to scan something um yep. how to set up a wi-fi network in your house i think all of those things would be critical skills um but at the moment it's falling to the parents um yes. and i think some parents just don't have the aptitude for for that kind of thing whether they don't want to have a, an open conversation about uh sexting for example um or um you know any sort of illicit offers that that kids might get or teenagers or, or adults uh, might get yeah. from other people or um you know how, how to make sure that your passwords are, are set up on instagram for example so people don't steal your account and pretend to be you um yeah. I mean, as as a Instagram creator myself, I'm constantly finding people have have um, taken all my photos, yeah. uh, done screenshots or whatever, posted them as a new account, and then through WhatsApp pretending to be me, um, sending people messages, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. like, I wish I, well, I wish there was a a way to stop that happening in the first place, or like even even how to report someone pretending to be you even though instagram will do nothing about it and say it's a fine account <laughs> which happens all the time it's so annoying but i wish i wish there was um a sort of a set guideline about how to navigate this world that is changing so fast yeah and you have to you have to try and understand how other people are going to try and take advantage of you yeah um i mean we're going to wrap up soon because I've already taken 30 minutes of your time, which I'm very much appreciated of. Um, what what are your sort of golden rules for kids who want to use um, social, want to start getting phones, start yep. sort of dipping their feet into an online world? Um, I would say use use the tools as tools. And I think that that's... That's all they are in the end. It's they they're designed for a specific purpose, and and I think that having a just baseline understanding that it's been created for a transaction to occur. Like there's no like as much as we would love to think that there's platforms and apps and programs that are designed to help your life, <laughs> which they are. I mean, not to say that they're not helpful. Um, the there's a value attributed to that and and the tools themselves can be useful if you if 
if you use them to their potential, but not wish they did something that they don't do. And I think that, I think that when, like, when we think about like Google, for example, I mean, their search engine was kind of how we were all introduced to it at least. And, mm-hmm. you know, creating a search engine to make it easier for us as users to search for information that we want. Yes. That's an attractive offer, but why was, why should that matter? Why would it, why would a company create a search engine for us to make our lives easier? Um, there is a reason for that. It's to collect data. It's to collect trends, it's to understand human behaviors. Um, it's going to get something from you no matter what. And I think that that if, while kids are being exposed, especially early to, um, to this technology, it's not a singular direction of use. I think that that's, that's a concept that we, I mean, I don't think anyone's really figured out how to best have like a conversation, but it really is kind of at the heart of why these things exist in the first place. Um, and it's, to either track you, to get your data, to monetize that in some way, uh, and then ultimately monetize it off of the individual themselves. And and if going into it, when being exposed to it, people kind of have that skepticism or at least you know apprehension around how they use a particular tool or, or device, um, is our best chance, I think, of making sure that we're actually getting the most out of it. And and even consenting, and going back to the word consent, of, of consenting of what information you will even allow them to have, like the the app themselves. So forget about the other users um, for a second, but uh, you are trading something. And I think that a, a child who understands that there is a trade-off to be made uh, will be able to make pretty healthy, informed decisions, at least on how to use these um, program. So I would say like the, that golden rule for me, at least is, um, nothing is free. <laughs> there, there's always a price. Yeah. Um, That's interesting. You that. said about trade, a trade off yeah. there. Like if someone was to send a, a, a personal picture, like let's say, <clears throat> uh, I was going to send a personal picture. The value f- from me is enormous, but for mm-hmm. the person who I'd send it to is not that much. But now they have my uh, value in their hands and they can use right. it as they want. Is yeah. that something I want to give someone else? And the answer yeah. is usually no. I don't want exactly. to give that much power over me to one person who can then yeah. share it as they want. I've got no control over it. Yeah. Uh, and that's yeah, that's kind of my guiding principle for myself. Like I used to have... I mean, I still have Instagram, I still have all the platforms, but I don't post anything. It's just more mm. from a research perspective that I that I use it. But that's that's where I find the value for myself. Now I'm not a creator in that with that respect. So obviously creators will have a different value, will get a different value out of the tool for a very specific reason. But they how do you use that tool to its best ability? I think that um that type of understanding around the app itself, the tools that you're actually using and what power does that tool actually have um, is worth the investigation. I think that it does require time and because it does change so quickly, it's, it kind of has to keep us all on our toes fairly frequently. I mean, um, even with like 
TikTok, which is everywhere and people are fighting mm. and defending it, it's, there's a huge question mark as to where that data is actually living and how it's being used or um, from a governmental policy standpoint. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's so much bigger than just I'm sending a few videos or funny dances yeah. to. Yeah, I, it's funny. I, I had about, um, uh, I can't remember where I heard it from, but they said in other countries like China, um, mm -hmm. where their algorithm rewards, and so the, the videos featuring engineering, um, educational valuable, like educationally valuable content, um, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it does really well on on. TikTok, so it's always pushed to the top. It's always pushed in people's feeds, that kind of mm -hmm. thing. But it, but in Western countries, they're trying to sort of dumb down society by sort of promoting dances and yeah. makeup and stuff that ne not necessarily has any sort of value yeah. apart from quick education and and um, things where it's sort of science based or or that kind of thing is is pushed down to the bottom. Uh, yeah. I don't know how true that is, but I, I thought it was interesting. I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest. Um, like even even the way, even if it was a flaw in the in the programming, mm -hmm. or a flaw in the algorithm of how, if you think about the twenty sixteen election or even just any mm -hmm. election in the last whatever yeah. five seven years, um, of what kind of almost insular, you know, bubble people can find themselves in if they're if yes. they're only exposed to people who might have shared opinions as themselves um people just really lose touch out of you know reality of what the what other people are thinking feeling all of those things and it just yeah you know, i think that's that's partly algorithm based so you know uh, i've talked about this on my instagram recently where um the goal of, of facebook instagram tiktok whatever is to keep people on the platform as long as possible so they can yeah. be shown ads so they they can be shown more content yeah and so uh it wants to show people the stuff they're gonna like and not the stuff that's gonna make them think about anything or um disagree with them yeah um and so that's really really bad because if it's a sort of a toxic um, I mean, if, if you have anything where you don't have a sort of fresh feed of new ideas and things, it becomes a toxic environment, good or bad. Um, and who's to say what's good or bad, but, um, I think we can agree that the people who have, um, anti, um, country, anti multiculturalism, um, yep. anything that sort of puts other people down is a bad time. Um, and I think when you have those kinds of toxic bubbles of, of people who agree with each other that um, people of other nationalities, other genders, other religions, other, you know, people who love other people, um, I, if those people are all saying, oh, yeah, all those people are bad, um, and they agree with them, they only become more solid in their beliefs. Mm -hmm. And that's something that it takes a bit of critical thinking and yep. that's not something we're generally trained for. Um, and if someone does come in and say, these ideas aren't necessarily healthy or you're putting other people down or, you, you know, you're being um, mean, yep. a nice way. Um, uh, they are quickly shunned from the conversation. 
Um, yeah, and it's happening in in like it's kind of happening across the board. Like whether it's you know something that seems completely outrageous or something that's actually even worth a discord at least of having a conversation or dialogue about like there's no kind of room for it anymore it's just a quick reaction one way or another and and it's being it's being um almost fueled by the algorithm itself it's like it's it's just push it's just exactly how you just described it's just pushing people further into their belief yeah and further away from you know everyone else yeah i mean that i think again that has to be part of the education where we're teaching um our kids i mean again i think this is probably a, a sort of teenager to to slightly older age group because younger just wouldn't get it but um who knows what what the younger kids are being exposed to but they they might be say your the channels that you're on are probably going to start um feeding you content i mean i mean we know with the russia election um russia election that's freudian slip that the u.s <laughs> election where russia was um promoting you know i say russia but also other people were promoting content that that fueled the fire um yeah. about anti-government anti-everything else um yeah. and so you're going to be shown this kind of stuff because you are impressionable and because this might be something that you've mentioned or, or the people around you have, and you need to be able to think and discern what is true, what is fake news, um, and what is completely opinion-based, or what is a complete lie, but it, it fuels the fire that the stuff that you're being shown uh, may start to be become believable. Yeah. And when we're navigating a digital world, the stuff you're being shown isn't always true. It might sound true. It might look true, but it, it often isn't. Um, and that's, that's another thing where we need to be able to navigate and we need to be able to guide the, you know, our kids, our family, the people around us to discern what is true, what's not, what's safe for us, what isn't, um, what kind of programs, what kind of games you might encounter people who are going to tell you things that aren't true or aren't good for you. Um, I think we could talk about it all day. And uh, totally. I can hear a door opening. Yeah. The, <laughs> my distractions have lasted long enough. Um, oh, so I've got to take my kid to swimming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, as a, exactly to your point, like my, my personal general rule is, don't believe a thing you see on the internet. It's just default. It could be true, but start off with a skepticism and then yeah. figure out whether it is true or not. Yeah. Um, I think we could talk about this all day. Uh, <laughs> and it, it changes constantly, so there's always something you need to talk about it. Um, Kathan, thank you um, pleasure. for this. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Where can people find you and, and um, the people who you work with? Well, uh, you can find well, you can find me on most of the social channels, uh, but I don't really post or participate in them, so it'd be kind of a waste. Um, but the company that I work for it's it's uh, called Thrillworks, um, and we're we're in this space of technology to 
to create valuable technology. And, and ultimately, when we were talking about over you know this entire conversation about what makes a tool valuable or not valuable, that's that's really where the focus is for for us and and, and our company is um, finding things that actually have a purpose um, rather than more than just we need to collect data and sell it to somebody else uh, is is really the goal. So um, you can find me on LinkedIn uh, under my name. Uh, you can I'd probably recommend that as <laughs> the number one place. Okay. Uh, and then you can always find uh, find our work, throwworks.com. Perfect. Thanks so much. I'm, I'm, I keep having to mute myself so I can wave frantically to my daughter. Don't come in. Um <laughs> Thank you very much. This was great. Um, I will uh, put your links in in the show notes. And um, yeah, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. Have a good day. You too, bye.